Uh, my name is Pete Stacey. I'm the evening pastor here and it is great to be here. Thanks, Mark, for that introduction about things that we love. My, my guess is that most of us would have had people, maybe a special person, pretty high on that list of uh, things. Have you ever been separated from someone that you really love for a while? Perhaps they're overseas, perhaps they're in hospital, perhaps they've moved away to another part of the country. You long to see them. You do just about anything to have a bit of time with them to catch up. Before we got married, Jude and I had a, a whole year separated by eight hours travel. Um, it was pretty tough. Yeah, that sign's probably been burnt now, hey. Um, but she was in Port Macquarie. I was down here and when I saw that sign, I was pretty excited because I was nearly there. I was really good. Um, uh, so lo- lots of uh, long Late night phone calls, uh, back in the days of putting the coin in the slot. <laughs> and, um, and we wrote letters. Remember those days? Like, okay, thank you. Oh, two hands, great. <laughs> uh, I'm not the oldest one here, I don't think. But um, we all experience the pain of separation at different times in our lives. Today we're looking at a part of a letter written by a bloke called Paul because he's separated from a bunch of people he dearly loves. He's separated from this church that he began in the city of Thessalonica. He loved them so much. And what we're going to see is, uh, as as he writes to them, um, what he's most concerned about, as well as what he's really excited about. And I hope that we'll all see how wonderfully helpful and relevant it is for our lives today. Uh, Kids have a worksheet. Some of you are halfway through it already. That's great. Um, So listen out. If you have got that worksheet, listen out for the words that are on that sheet as we go through. Let's pray and then we'll look at it together. Dear Father God, thank you for this really honest letter in the Bible. Uh, Please help me to explain it in a way that is truthful, helpful and engaging. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do keep those Bibles open. That'll uh, be very helpful. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, we saw Paul using family kind of language when describing his relationship with the Christians in Thessalonica. Uh, Like a, a child or father or mother. At the start of this passage tonight, he uses another family word, but this is time, it's a really shocking one. Orphaned. Orphaned. He was only with them for a few weeks. He'd been telling them wonderful news about Jesus, how Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And and many people responded in repentance and faith, welcomed Jesus into their hearts, had their hearts washed clean by God's Holy Spirit, were adopted into God's eternal family. And very quickly, there was this very strong bond, a spiritual family type bond between Paul and these Christians. But strong opposition rose up so quickly that after just a few weeks, he literally got chased out of town. And now he feels the anguish of a child torn away from his family. In verse 17, he says they're separated in person, but not in thought. He's with them in thought. He goes on, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. If we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again. 
Jump down to chapter 3, verse 1. It's a similar tone. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves. That's that kind of orphaned language again. And so what they do is they, they send Timothy uh, back, because he can safely go into the city, uh, to find out how the Thessalonians are going. Paul desperately wants to be there to help them. Well, let's just think about for a moment, what situation or concern could possibly produce such a response in you or me? It's the sort of determination we often see when a loved one is very ill or literally dying near death. Or there's been some horrible accident and you just can't imagine not being there to help in a situation like that. Or what's the situation going on here? This is Paul's concern. He's desperately concerned because they're brand new Christians and they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted. Verse 3 of chapter 3 says, He doesn't want them to be unsettled by these trials. Uh, as in many places at, at this time, Christians faced all kinds of opposition and persecution. Uh, they faced beatings, imprisonment, fines, torture, and even death. And if the persecution wasn't bad enough, they also faced spiritual opposition. See verse 5. I was afraid that in some way the tempter may have tempted you. Paul knows that Satan is a real spiritual enemy. And he would do anything to get Christians off track. Take their eyes away from Jesus. Uh, Satan had already had a go at Paul back in chapter 2, verse 18. We heard it tonight. Um, wanted to go and see, but Satan blocked our way, he says. Now, we don't know exactly how that happened or what it looked like, but he, Paul recognized that Satan was standing in the way. But Paul also knows that Satan is absolutely no match for Jesus. That's why down in chapter 3, verse 11, he prays this. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Satan's blocked the way. Jesus can clear the way. Satan is no match for heaven's king. So there's dangers to their faith on the outside from physical persecution and spiritual opposition. But there's also dangers on the inside from their wayward hearts. Our hearts, I think, are a lot like a, a bowling ball. You know the old lawn bowls? Well, it's about the same size. But you know what? You, you aim it right at Jesus, and what happens? And off it goes. Just like that, our hearts are, aren't they? That's why Paul prays in verse 13 that God may strengthen your hearts so they will be holy and blameless when Jesus returns. And, and Paul understands the, the pressures that they're under because he's experienced them all many times. Paul knows how hard it can be to follow Jesus when there's all kinds of pressures and persecution and temptations going on. 
Uh, just this morning, we uh, celebrated the baptism of Matt and Gemma's youngest son, Hugo. Uh, he's one year old. Um, but as they seek to, to raise him to know Jesus, little baby Hugo, through his life, he's going to face all these pressures and temptations many times. Matt and Gemma, along with every other parent that wants their kids to know Jesus, are going to face these same kind of pressures and temptations many times. You know, like every Christian parent, Paul is worried, see the end of verse 5, that our labours might have been in vain. He's worried they might give up, turn their backs on Jesus, and walk away from God, away from their faith, and away from the gathering of God's people at church. In a moment, we're going to have a look at what Paul does about this situation. But let's first consider our own situation. Perhaps, perhaps you're here tonight and you're feeling that kind of pressure and opposition, perhaps even persecution. Pressure from other people, pressure to go quiet about Jesus, to fly under the radar, pressure to, to go with the flow and fit in with the pattern of this world. Perhaps you're feeling tempted. In fact, perhaps you're giving in to temptation. Perhaps you're feeling stuck or trapped in a particular sin and you feel like Satan's winning. Or perhaps you know for you it's a heart problem. And you realize that your heart is not your best friend. Your heart leads you astray. Friends, if you feel overwhelmed by the dangers to your faith from the outside, or the dangers to your faith from the inside, or both, then Paul's words here as he speaks into their situation are for you. His deep concern is for you because his heart reflects the heart of God for you. There is grace, forgiveness, hope, strength for everyone who looks to Christ. Maybe like the Thessalonians. Uh, it's so funny. This morning, um, uh, Stuart Lane was leading and he got to that word Thessalonians. He did what I just did. And uh, yeah, you should try to say it five times fast. Have a challenge later. Anyway, um, where were we? Maybe like the Thessalonians, yeah, I got it right that time. Uh, you're standing firm, but you know others who are struggling. How, how can we be helpful? Uh, have, you, have you ever been felt that concern like Paul has, that real ache in your heart for someone else? Desperately, prayerfully concerned that someone, let alone a whole church, might ditch their love for Jesus and go back to life without him? Have you ever felt that? What, what does someone need when they're struggling? Not condemnation. And not condoning sinful behavior either. Look at verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2. They need this strengthening comfort of a brother or sister in Christ who will encourage them, show compassion and point them back to Jesus. 
Friends, let's pray that God would not allow us to become comfortable with lukewarm faith in ourselves or in each other. And let's pray that God will not allow us to become detached or distant from the very ones he has called us to love and care for. Instead, let's pray for them. Let's make contact with them and let's reflect God's heart for them. Paul so longed to be with them, to strengthen and encourage. Makes me think, what's our goal when we're together? Um, uh, Bob, it's so good to see you here tonight. Can I just confess, um, I owe you five bucks. Well, if you're in, in our family, I'd owe you five bucks. You see, we're in our family, we have this deal that if I, if I refer to anyone in our family um, and I haven't approved it beforehand, I owe them five bucks. Well, this morning I referred to you. It wasn't in my notes, but I referred to you, so I owe you five bucks. Because you see, uh, <laughs> how long have you been away? Ten weeks. Ten weeks. Ten weeks. And I, I jokingly said, yeah, it's about time we got a letter from Bob Stevens about his anguish from being away from us. <laughs> but that's, that's the kind of anguish that uh, Paul feels. But here we are. We're all together. We're not away from each other. We're gathered together. And it makes me ask the question, how do we feel about church, about being together? Do we have that same sense of uh, urgency and love and tenderness that Paul had for this church? How can we cultivate a heart that is deeply concerned for the spiritual well-being of each other? I think one of the simplest things we can do is simply be here. So many times I've been deeply encouraged by seeing someone here who I knew had really good reasons not to be. So encouraging. What things prevent you from attending church sometimes? I think it's good to ask ourselves, is it really worth it to not be here? <laughs> and can, how can we cultivate a heart that is, that is genuinely excited when we hear good news about God's work in other people's lives? And do we kind of tend to focus on the faults in church or, or, or other Christians? Or do we celebrate and give thanks for the positives, as we see God at work. What does Paul do? Well, he can't see them just now. So he sends Timothy and he writes them a couple of letters and we're going through the first one of them. Um, today we've got so many wonderful forms of communication that Paul simply had no access to. Uh, so let's use it. But let's use it for good. Use it for God. Use it to encourage others in their walk with God. To borrow those famous words, from a movie that really was at the peak of movie history. Who are you going to call? <laughs> Who are you going to call to encourage and strengthen? Who's not here tonight that, that you could call? Say, hey, missed your church. You know, this is what happened. Um, you know, how are you going? Th those sorts of things, those sorts of conversations. Here's an idea uh, that I've been doing for years. When I have a few spare minutes, like I'm, I'm waiting for a train or, or waiting to pick up one of the children, it's usually them waiting for me because I'm usually late, but you know, just imagine. Um, but wh when I've got a bit of s uh, spare moment, I flick through my contacts on my phone until I come to someone that I haven't spoken to for a while 
and I'll call them and say, hey, give me a 60 second update on your life and what's going on. How can I pray for you? And sometimes we'll even you know, pray over the phone together. And um, I'm always super encouraged when I do it. But uh, you know, people have told me it's been encouraging for them. And sometimes without me even knowing it, it's been like just, just the right moment for them. Uh, so let me say again, who are you going to call? It's just an idea that I've, I've tried, but it's, um, that's one that can be helpful. And I've completely lost my place now. I love sharing ideas like that. Um, Paul, Paul couldn't call, so he sent Timothy. Um, and it's interesting, did you notice uh, Paul's response when the good news res- arrives? He is so, so excited. Like he's just like over the moon. He said, he's almost like, you're, to hear that you're going well is life to me and joy to me. Um, in 2.19, he says, you are my hope, my joy, my crown, glory. Yeah, they're big words. And then down in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says, now we live. To hear that you're going so well. I, I kind of get the picture that he was actually expecting that they probably weren't going very well. And he's just so excited to hear how well they're going. And he thanks God for this good news and for the joy that he has. But even though he now knows they're going well, what does he pray in verse 10? Night and day, that's pretty consistent, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. Can I say, as good as our technology is today, there is no substitute for physically being with someone. Ah, oh, it's easy to make a phone call, but who are you going to see? Who are you going to visit? Who are you going to drop in on for their encouragement? Because notice that Paul, he's focused on their benefit. He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking about how he can encourage and strengthen them. So let me ask you this. Who needs to see you this week for their sake, not for yours, so that you can encourage them, strengthen them, teach them or or remind them of God's wonderful promises to us in Christ and then bless them with the encouragement of of perhaps praying together? Who are you going to see? Maybe it's someone that we haven't seen at church for a while, but you know them, you're a friend. And you could just catch up with them. Perhaps someone that's going through a really hard time at the moment. And just a few kind words might meet all the difference for them right now. Notice that phrase in verse 10, so that Paul can supply what is lacking in your faith. It's like, oh, ouch. <laughs> I guess it depends what tone of voice you say. It could have sound quite judgmental, couldn't it? <laughs> What's lacking in your faith? Uh, Let's just make a list, shall we? Um, But it's actually a really helpful question. What is lacking in your faith? Remember, Paul was only with them for a few weeks. It's most likely that he's referring to the fact that they've hardly had any Bible teaching. I mean, he he was in Corinth for like at least 18 months and Ephesus for well over two years. How long was he here in Thessalonica? Oh, three or four weeks. Not long, is it? You wouldn't even get through Christianity Explained in that time. 
So he's probably wanting to go and visit them. But, but what about us? You know, all of us have way more Bible knowledge than the Thessalonians. But you know, I was really encouraged and challenged when I was looking at them. You know, I don't think I've suffered persecution like they suffered, but how are they going? They were flourishing. Kind of like those new plants in the foyer there. Do you like them? They're flourishing. I think it's because like everyone thinks no one else is watering them. Um, it's good. It, you water the plants, they grow. You water the faith, it grows. And I wonder how you and I'd go under persecution. Remember from our first week what a Christian is. We thought a Christian is a person who has believed the gospel. Uh, what, we, we've all heard the gospel, uh, but we need to continue to grow in the gospel. And I think flourishing in our faith is a bit like a good cake. It needs a balance. I just, I love this one. It needs a balance of the right ingredients to make a good cake. Well, what do you need most to make progress in your faith? Perhaps you need a better grounding in the basics like the Thessalonians, but perhaps you need perseverance. Perhaps you need the regular support of Christian brothers and sisters in a connect group to pray for you, encourage you and hold you accountable. The, the Thessalonians, they'd heard the gospel and we saw just a couple of weeks ago that, that a, a Christian is someone that's heard the gospel and, and put their trust in Jesus, understanding that his death on the cross has paid for their sins. We also saw that a, a Christian is a person who's replaced the idols in their heart with a relationship with the true and living God by putting their trust in Jesus. And perhaps you're here tonight and you've never done that. And step one is to actually be saved. You recognize that you need to be saved from the penalty and the power of your own sin. And that can only happen by putting your trust in Jesus. Idols out, Jesus in, save fraternity. But perhaps you need God's strength to continue walking the Christian life. It's not a question of salvation, but maturity. It's not if there's faith, but how that faith can grow and flourish. See, the moment you believe in Jesus, you're adopted into God's family. But for the rest of your life, God, by His Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, makes you look more like someone who belongs to His family. It's a journey that ultimately finishes when we see Jesus. And that's how Paul prays in the last couple of verses, verse 12 and 13. It's on the screen there. Notice that he prays, strengthen your hearts, not increase your obedience so that you'll be blameless and holy. You see, with our hearts, we believe the gospel. With our hearts, we trust in Christ. It is faith alone, in Christ alone, that makes us blameless and holy in God's sight. No great accomplishments on our part, no quality of character will ever get us there. Good works are not ever 
the means to salvation. They're never the path to being right with God. But they are the fruit of someone who belongs to God. And that's why Paul prays the first bit about their love overflowing for God and for others. Genuine godly love is the fruit of the gospel of a heart that's been changed by the love of God. And that's what Paul so longs to see. Now, if you've been reading through 1 Thessalonians, as I know some of you have, uh, as we've been going through this series, you'll notice that next week in chapter 4, there's a distinct change in the tone and the, the whole uh, focus. Chapters 1 to 3, he's been celebrating the good news that despite you know, great trials and persecution, the Christians in Thessalonica, by God's grace, they're flourishing in their faith. Really good news. Then in chapters 4 and 5, uh, Paul focuses on how they can grow in their faith. He gives them some of that grounding, that really good teaching. Um, and there's three prayers, one at the start, one at the end, and one in the middle. They're the circles on the screen behind me. And uh, verses 12 and 13 uh, are the prayer in the middle that captures all the key themes of the first three chapters and kind of pulls them together, concludes them in a, a beautiful prayer. And I'm going to pray it. I'm going to finish by praying that prayer for us now. Um, if you're curious about this, some of you have seen it before. Um, it's a screenshot from a thing on YouTube called The Bible Project. And what they've done is like summaries of every book of the Bible. And they're really good. They're really, really helpful. So I commend that to you. Look it up. The Bible Project. Uh, great little summaries uh, of every book of the Bible. But friends, let me pray for us now in these words of Paul, summing up his heart for the church in Thessalonica, his heart for our church, because it's God's heart for our church. Let me pray. Father in heaven, please make our love increase and overflow for one another and for everyone else, like Paul's did for the Thessalonians. And please strengthen our hearts so that we will be blameless and holy in your presence, our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Amen.